You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 75, Marvel Conquers Comic-Con. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 75 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie. Hi, Brian. Hey, we're up to three bits. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. And so, we have Comic-Con news for uh, oh this God. week. Yes, and some odds and ends, but... Before we get to that, we do have an in-memoriam today. Mm. On Wednesday, we lost Rugger Hauer. Yeah. Now, of course, a lot of you will, I would say some of you will remember him as Lothos, the head vampire in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. You may remember him from True Blood. Mm -hmm. You might remember him from Lady Hawk, but I'm sure most of you will remember him from a, a certain movie <laughs> you'll definitely remember him from blade runner mm-hmm. and of course if you've been on facebook i'm sure somebody has posted that final soliloquy that he gives at the end you know mm-hmm. before before he dies so this is a loss for sure mm-hmm. and all the different movies that he did genre wise i mean he, he, he all was certain, of them <laughs> yeah. every every genre yeah pretty uh, much I can yes. think of one you know because uh Lady Hawk, you know, that covers sci-fi, fantasy, and romance. Yeah. Um, and me, especially my D&D group, really love him was in The Tenth Kingdom, which was a made-for-TV miniseries, which was fantastic. It was, I believe, maybe 99-2000, and he played the Huntsman for Snow right. White, and he was just magical in that, and... Just well, every part that I've ever seen him in. Oh, yeah. And, of course, he, he was very much a fixture in vampire fiction, of course, with, you know, Buffy and, and Salem's Lot also, obviously. Oh, and, yeah. of course, he was Anne Rice's first pick for Lestat. Really? Yeah. She said that she couldn't see another actor doing it besides him. Now, huh. of course, Tom Cruise wound up getting the role mm-hmm. later on in a film. but And Stuart Townsend. Yes, and mm-hmm. Stuart Townsend later on. But uh, yeah, uh, Anne Rice's first pick was going to be Rugger mm-hmm. Hauer. He said that was who she imagined. Well, yeah, it would have been Lady Hawk, period, Rutger Hauer, when, or even Hitcher, when she was in the midst of creating Interview with a Vampire. So, wow, yeah. Yeah, that, that was her. I mean, in every interview, she said that he's my Lestat. Mm-hmm. He, totally. Yeah, he will, he'll definitely be missed. But uh, a little piece of trivia. Rudger Hauer and I have played two of the same roles. We were both Val Vare in Cyrano de Bergerac. Oh. And we were both the Ghost of Christmas Future in A Christmas Carol. Aww. For me, that was the last role that I've played. <laughs> and for him, it will be the last role he'll ever play because this actually was is currently being filmed for a, t- <gasps> it's a TV special and he was the Ghost of Christmas oh, Future. I was really expecting you to tell me something like Renfield or... or uh- what did you play in Dracula? I'm sorry, I can't remember. Oh, I, I played uh, I, I played one of the uh, asylum guards who gets his neck snapped <gasps> oh, by Renfield. Okay, I remember something about Renfield and okay, yes, uh, or Jonathan yes, Parker or something. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I, I, I get my neck broken <laughs> by Renfield. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. So, Ryan Hardeman killed me. Oh, so <laughs> so obviously a glorious mm-hmm. moment. So, but yeah, we're definitely going to miss Rugger Hauer. I mean, he what he contributed to geekdom you know can't Mm -hmm. can't possibly be measured for sure well 
Before we get into Comic-Con, this week, this last weekend, Marvel Avengers Endgame finally topped off. It is now the highest grossing film of all time. Beat out Avatar. Yeah. Boy, did they work really hard at it, though. (laughs) And some people say, you know, well, that's not fair because they re-released it and they put new footage. But at the same time, other people will tell you why Avatar, the only reason it made the money it did was it was playing during a very weak summer when there wasn't anything really else to watch, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, it certainly had the juice to, even though you, you had to kind of push the car <laughs> the rest of the way home, yeah. they got they did get it home. And uh, and so, I mean, we at least we have that. We definitely have that in the books now. And James Cameron, once again, was very magnanimous and, and uh, gave well wishes to, to very, Marvel. Very gracious. Very. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly so. So let's uh, let's go over Comic Con. I mean, we can't certainly go over everything yeah. those last few days. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was great cosplay and a lot of great trailers, and we talked about a little bit of it. But uh, one thing definitely for it being the fiftieth Comic Cons, a lot of people were talking about how it didn't really seem like this was a milestone Comic Con. That it was just another, you know, it could have been any year Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in some play. Uh, in some cases, he said it was not even one of the best Comic-Cons. And one thing definitely people noticed was there was a lot of people that didn't show up. Uh, Universal Studios didn't show up. Sony didn't show up. Warner Brothers, for the most part, didn't show up. There was, of course, a new trailer for It, but that was part of uh, Scare Diego. Mm-hmm. So, And Lionsgate had nothing. There was a lot of talk about why that was. I mean, and, and because of that, a lot of other, of course, Marvel pretty much had the floor to... To, to wow people and and some other things also came to the came to the forefront that probably wouldn't if you had other studios you know putting stuff out there but I've read a bunch of articles of people saying the comic-con doesn't uh, promote movie sales like it used to or possibly that studios are realizing that the word of mouth at comic-con doesn't translate in a box office and so Maybe a lot of these studios didn't come because they didn't think it was worth it. And some of them might not might not ever come back. And to be honest, I'm not sure how true that is. Right. But I will say, I mean, fandom can be very rough. And mm-hmm. a bad showing at Comic-Con, in some cases, as damaging as maybe even a, a bad Rotten Tomato score. <laughs> and fandom can be tricky. It mm-hmm. certainly can. And, uh, so, you know, certainly fans can smell out you know, if somebody's uh, if somebody's not really a fan, but it was like I said, it was really interesting. Not only who was there, but who wasn't there. And of course, we talked about Game of Thrones, <laughs> and I didn't really watch the panel because I was I, I had a feeling I knew how it was going to go, and from what I've under what I understood, uh, it went exactly the way that you think <laughs> that it went. There were some boos for certain things. Oh. The one big thing was this was supposed to be, well, of course, a victory lap for Game of Thrones, and that last season kind of wrecked that. But the other thing is this was supposed to be a Q&A, and the Game of Thrones Q&A wasn't. They did not take questions from the oh, audience at all. Uh-huh. They talked about the show, but they didn't let anybody out in the audience ask questions or, oh. or express any opinions, and I get it. I, I definitely get it. But if it, that's what they advertised, and then the fans didn't get that, yeah. that, that can be, you know, that can be disappointing. It's uh, Yeah, there were some moments that were very uncomfortable, if one understood. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't bring myself to watch it, because I just, I was afraid of the cringe. It's kind to- of like uh, ordering a three-course meal, and then only getting uh, dessert, 
or an appetizer. Yeah. You know, and, you know, you paid for that. You wanted to come and, you know, you get a chance that, you know, you might get to talk to Maisie Williams. And so I can see why that's upsetting. Yeah. Uh, Something I saw um, online, it was an article, and I hadn't really thought of it this way. But, of course, you know, Daniloff and Weiss didn't show up, the showrunners. And like I said last week, I can understand why you wouldn't want to show up. But at the same time, and they made a good point in this article is, of course, the two of them are going to be doing a Star Wars trilogy. And they're not really fan favorites right now. And Disney has no problem whatsoever with tanking some people who aren't fan favorites if they think it's it's going to mess up their box office. And so with this being, you know, Star Wars and all, I mean, we know what happened with Ryan Johnson. He had a trilogy of movies coming out, and he's kind of been brushed off to the side, mm. which it looks like that's not going to happen. And so, you know, Danloff and Weiss, they're not in any aspect safe. You know, whether their fan dealings with Game of Thrones is going to affect any future employment they have with Disney, well, I guess we'll have to see. Yes, and- this year would have been like just the uh, the Comic-Con of the networks. Because uh, I can't think of a network that wasn't there. I mean, Walking Dead, Nosferatu were there for AMC. Um, yeah. Winona Earp was there for yeah. Sci-Fi, and of course, you know all all of uh, Supernatural and Arrow and Supergirl and The okay. Flash, all the and all the Star Trek stuff coming out in mm-hmm. CBS. I tell you, but who wasn't there? That was was a surprise. Uh, Ruby Rose didn't show up for the Batwoman uh, panel. Oh. Huh. Yeah, she she was a no-show. Oh, I could have sworn I saw a, a clip of her or something. Maybe it was from well, something different. Well, I, there was an Instagram post that she did explaining the reason she couldn't be there. She said she was heartbroken, uh, but because of production on Batwoman, she couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. And some people, and I can see why they said it, was like, well, this is Comic-Con. You're playing Batwoman. You know, they can slow down production for a day or two. To promote the show that they want people to to watch, mm-hmm. and I can I can see that, and especially with the fact that there's been some criticism of the show already from the trailer. One, I'm not sure what you do to to damage control that because a lot of it, you know, I'm I'm really questioning whether or not it's necessarily they're doing anything wrong in this situation. But at the same time, I, I think there's been a there's a huge fear of fans going on right <laughs> now, where people are. St- are trying to avoid controversy at all costs. Like I said, I mean, I'm not saying that that they were lying about the production schedule with the whole thing with Ruby Rose. I'm not saying that that this is a whole fabricated thing. But on the one hand, I I kind of would I think it might have been a good idea for her to have been there. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, well, maybe they dodged a bullet. I don't know. It mm-hmm. really depends on what that how that panel could have how it would have gone. Mm-hmm. So it could have made things a whole lot better and and certainly could have made things a whole lot worse. But speaking of um, sci-fi, of course, you know, we got to see uh, the trailer for uh, Picard, which Mm -hmm. has really got me interested. (laughs) uh, I've heard people say that this is, you know, Star Trek meets Firefly. And I've heard people say that as a positive and I've heard people say that as negative. But I, I have to tell you this, the fact that the showrunner is Michael Chabon has me really excited about the possibilities of this show mm-hmm. because I'm a huge Michael Chapin fan, obviously. I mean, from back from the, you know, when he was writing The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. I mean, I envy him so much in the fact that he's able to straddle both the, the world of pop culture and literary writing. And he's been able to do both of them 
so well and meld popular fiction and literary fiction with such a deft hand. And so I think that he's going to be no perfect to basically take to take Star Trek and, and Jean-Luc Picard and delve deeper into him as a character. And it's going to be I think it's going to be fantastic. And I can't wait to see what's going on with that. But there was a lot. I mean, there's a lot of great trailers of course, the Walking Dead stuff that came out. You mentioned that before. I mean, of course, you know, Denai Guerrera in tears announced, of course, that she wasn't right. going to be, that this was going to be her last season. I mean, we already knew it, but of course, now she officially announces right. it. Right. To, to say it is different and, you know, to get the, really hit the emotions. and <laughs> Yeah. Uh, there was some talk about Negan possibly getting a TV spinoff, like he's possibly getting a, a, a comic spinoff. And I've heard a few complaints about, oh, they're trying to make him a hero. And it's like, <laughs> you didn't read the comics, did you? <laughs> it's amazing how people complain about, they're ruin, ruining my movie instead of sticking with the source material. And the source material did exactly what, mm-hmm. you know, what you're complaining about. And we'll get back to that because, again, <laughs> Comic-Con, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the one big thing that, that shocked me uh, about the Walking Dead panel. A uh, piece of news that I wasn't expecting is it appears that the Rick Grimes movies will not be on TV. Yeah, in U- theaters. Universal is going to be releasing them. So, but, you-, you know, <laughs> I mean, yay, but it just it's shocking. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, get your money. <laughs> yeah. And I, well, you know, because there's for some reason Universal got this idea that, hey, if you got this uh, uh, you got this cult hit that fans are really fond of. And you put it in movie theaters, they might be willing to give you a billion dollars for it. Uh, it may happen, <laughs> you know. So I, I think it's a it's a solid thing. Uh, one last before we go into the Marvel Phase Four because that's going to take a, a little while to go over all of that. But even though Warner Brothers didn't show up, there was a DC superhero presence because uh, you had the CW and the, t- mm-hmm. and the TV shows, and like you said, you know the TV shows showed up in full force, but. Right. The CW was there to get everybody really excited about the new seasons of Supergirl. And, of course, we got the the pictures of her in her new outfit. Supergirl got pants now. <laughs> you know, no more skirt. Supergirl got the pants now. And, of course, we got the last season of Arrow coming out. But the one thing that really blew me away was the crossover they're doing this year. Right. The Crisis of Infinite Earths. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, of course, you know, for DC, that is like the milestone mm-hmm. event of, you know, when anybody thinks of DC and crossover events and huge events, Crisis on Infinite Earths is that pinnacle. It is that story that everybody thinks about. And they are going full force with this. The fact that we're getting Brandon Roth back as Superman. Yes, we are getting <laughs> we're getting Brandon Roth. Yeah, we're getting Brandon Roth back. He's going to put, of course, he, he's been in... What's the name of that show? Heroes of Tomorrow? Or yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about, but yeah. I don't watch it. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't watch it. But I've heard a lot of great things about mm-hmm. it. And, of course, Arthur Darvill from Doctor Who is, yes. you know. Uh-huh. But uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, mm-hmm. great. I remembered it. So we don't have to take heat. And <laughs> we don't, I don't have to take hate from the fans there. But, yeah, Legends of Tomorrow. And, of course, he was Superman in Brian Singer's Superman Returns. And, yes, he's put the cape back on. But that's not it. Nope. That is not all. Tom Welling. Um 
Smallville. Yes, he's coming. I don't coming. think I knew that one. Oh, yes. wow. Yes, they're bringing Tom Welling back. Oh. So he's going to be playing Clark Kent slash Superman. So they're bringing <laughs> him back. And that's not all, kids. Because, of course, with the one thing about the CW, they said, okay, everything that's ever appeared on TV is canon. And so everything's up for grabs. And so they're bringing Burt Ward back as Robin. So when they say everything on TV, we're going back to the 1960s. Yes. Yes. So, yes, we get Burt Ward as as Robin. And, of course, Adam West has passed away. And yeah. in the in the storyline, they're going to say that Batman died because, of course, in Crisis of Infinite Earths, a lot of a lot of the different uh, dimensions get wrecked, you know, yeah. all these alternate Earths. And so, you know, they're not going to try to recast Burt Ward. Mm-hmm. They're going to just basically say that. The one thing that I really enjoyed is they're bringing Linda Carter back <laughs> to play Wonder Woman. The, yeah. Brilliant. I can't tell you how excited. Wonder World. <laughs> yes. But yeah, all the different, like I said, all these different television shows and, and some of it, of course, they, they, they brought, you know, like old school, you know, the old Flash uh, TV show from the, from the early 90s. You know, so they brought characters back in, you know, for stuff like that. But I mean, they're they are, like I said, going in deep. Mm-hmm. They're dipping into a lot of these these different things, and I mean, well, something they had done, uh, what uh, bringing in actors who had been on previous, like okay, in Smallville, Superman or Clark Kent's mother played Lana in Superman, I think three with Christopher Reeve. You know, they brought in they brought in actors that way so they've brought in actors to play different characters yeah um i think dean kane is in supergirl yeah um so you know and, th- and they did they did uh bring in chris reeves into uh into smallville he did have a role oh i, d- I don't remember that that's yeah. that's amazing so, yes he's a scientist oh brilliant of so. course he is so uh they had that kind of casting but now to bring back actors playing their actual roles that they were yeah that's just going to be so exciting such such good that just brings generations together oh yeah Um, absolutely i mean mm -hmm. it's it's in a strange way it's it's the same i would say it's the same kind of excitement we've had with you know the marvel movies being having all these crossovers but you know cw with their television and of course since the 60s the 1960s we're going back that far with batman and robin and being able to do all of those things you know, I think in a real sense, you know, that, I mean, that really opens up a lot of stuff. And uh, I don't watch a lot of the CW shows, although I've, I catch it in bits, bits and pieces. And it's, I mean, the stuff is not bad at all. But I always like to catch those big crossover events. And I'm definitely, this is going to be one we can't, uh, we can't uh, miss for sure. Well, before we go, let's, let's go over the one long, massive victory <laughs> lap that, that Marvel did, but not certainly not resting on their laurels. They had a bunch of stuff they announced for Phase Four. They gave us the entire Phase Four timeline. Uh, yes, what everything we uh, we were going to see, and it's the biggest one yet. And of course, it's going to be because you know they've got five movies that are coming out for Phase Four, which will be 2001, 2000, uh, 2000, uh, 2020 and twenty twenty one. But they'll also have five TV shows coming out. And so we'll start it from uh, we'll start it chronologically. Of course, <laughs> Black Widow comes out May the first, twenty twenty, and wow, mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna have uh, 
it's not been online yet, but of course there's a, a fight between Black Widow and another character, which I guess is sort of a, a Black Widow in training, a spy in training. Okay. And they said it's some it's some kick butt serious action, okay. and they said you're you're not ready for that. So. <laughs> But they also announced who the villain's going to be, and that got me really excited as a comic fan. The villain is going to be the Taskmaster, and I'm not sure if you know much about the Taskmaster. I don't. Mm -mm. He is a villain that has what they call photographic reflexes, which means that if he sees a hero perform something, he's able to copy it exactly. So that's why he carries a sword with him. He carries a shield like Captain America. Because mm-hmm. the minute he saw Captain America throw the shield, he could throw it just like him. So not just adaptive muscle memory, but he can actually copy their powers? Yeah, for the okay. most part. I mean, if, if he sees somebody flies, he can't fly. But anything athletic, okay. um, you know, he has a limit to his strength, obviously. But any type of, any type of athletic skill, mm-hmm. he sees it once and he yeah. can completely duplicate it. And... In the Marvel comic universe, he is a trainer. He basically trains other villains, and he's trained some heroes in combat skills. Because, of course, he can throw a shield just as well as, mm-hmm. as Captain America. He can shoot an arrow just as good as Hawkeye. Okay. And he does all of those things. Okay. In uh, Heroes, the TV show, when someone was able to do that, they called it adaptive muscle memory. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in this, they're calling it... Photographic reflexes. Photographic reflexes. Okay. So, he can see... Sp- when he sees Spider-Man flipping around, then he can mm-hmm. flip around like Spider-Man. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And he sees it once, and he can do it forever at that point. So, mm-hmm. he's, an, like I said, an interesting character. And, obviously, as a trainer, I can see why he would be in, uh, in Black Widow. Because, apparently, he's going to be training these Russian agents. And... Again, he's a very formidable foe, as you can imagine. Not only does he have all these abilities, but he'll watch you long enough. He'll be able to copy you. Mm-hmm. You know, any any moves that you pull on him. So, tough. Definitely uh, a tough setup. But, uh, of course, that movie will be May 1st. The, for the TV shows, they kind of get... They didn't give you any exact dates, because I guess con- they're still... concrete. Yeah, nothing concrete, because I think mm-hmm. they're still working all that out for Disney+. Plus. But sometime in the fall of 2020, we're going to get the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And if you remember Zemo from Civil War, the character that set everything in motion that, that started the fight between them, mm-hmm. you know, he's back. Mm. And, uh, of course, people who remember Baron Zemo, they remember him in, in, the, in the Purple Hood. And he will be wearing the Purple Hood in this TV show. So he... Uh, this this great mastermind, criminal mastermind, will be uh, the lead villain in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, and it's, it's going to be interesting to see him come back, and also see him get more involved, and you know, we possibly could get more of the comic version of Zemo. You know, the the uh, criminal mastermind that he is. And then, of course, we got to see the Eternals. That's that's going to be in November fifth, twenty twenty. Oh yeah, and what a cast! Yeah, Man. solid. <laughs> Of course, they brought Angelina Jolie, and there's like a couple of Oscar, you know, mm-hmm. you got a couple of Oscar winners in that. I mean, it's a massive cast. The one thing that really excited me about this, if you've not read The Eternals, of course, that was a creation by Jack Kirby. And Feige said they are going to go full Jack Kirby on this. <laughs> and for people who know Jack Kirby, that's exciting to hear, because <laughs> besides the fact Jack Kirby was very creative as an artist, he was also very trippy as an artist. A, a lot of the stuff that he did... For uh, Doctor Strange, I mean, a lot of the look of the early Doctor Strange was all Jack Kirby. And I remember his run went on Marvel's Dracula and a lot of the Dracula comics that he did. They were very weird. 
And uh, so saying going full Jack Kirby is going to be a sight to see. And that just shows you how far Marvel has gone. The fact that they're willing to go full out on something like this just shows just how much cachet the Marvel name has in the movie theaters now, obviously. They're not afraid to go there. Another thing, of course, that they're going to be bringing out and basically taking their their cachet to bring forward is Shang-Chi and the Legend uh, the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah. That's so- February, is that February 18th, I think, 18th, 2021. <laughs> You've got a Hawaiian director in uh, Dustin Daniel Creighton. Uh, who's mostly done some smaller bit, uh, smaller features, but again, Marvel has that ability to see talent. They they look for you know young, fresh directors to uh, to take on these these movies. And Shang Chi, I mean, again, it's going to be for all the accusations of whitewashing that was done for Iron Fist. I mean, you have Asian actors in all of this stuff, you know. Samu Liao is going to be uh, Shang-Chi, mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff he's done is a little bit different. I've only seen him in, in comedy in King, Kim's Convenience, and he's mm-hmm. just hilarious in that. Yeah. Uh, so to see him in, you know, the most action, I think maybe he played basketball in yeah. in one of the shows. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, and the thing about it, too, is that, you know, Marvel, they're willing to... They'll, they're willing to admit when they've possibly made a mistake or whatever, and they're willing to, to back on it. And so, of course, when you hear Legend of the Ten Rings, we get uh, Tommy Chua Wei Leung as the Mandarin, as the real Mandarin. Now, if you were, um, I'm sure a lot of you, uh, a lot of the geek watchers out there remember Iron Man 3. And the fervor, of course, you know, the Mandarin has always been a, a massive villain for iron man and of course you get ben kingsley this amazing actor to play him and then you find out oh he's just some drunk actor but then of course if you see the uh if you if you get the dvd then you get to see one of their little short films that they love putting in uh, as extra features which is all hail the king which you get to see that character in prison and he gets abducted by the real mandarin you never see him uh, so they decide, you know, not saying they were planning on doing that all along, you know, but they thought, well, people like the Mandarin <laughs> and they were really upset about the fact that we didn't get that we that we baited and switched them and mm-hmm. they didn't get the Mandarin. Well, 2021, you're getting the Mandarin. Mm-hmm. And what makes that a fascinating character is in the comics, Shang-Chi was the son of Fu Manchu, the traditional villain Fu Manchu. They they were able to get the rights to Fu Manchu, and they made Shang-Chi his son. And so mm-hmm. you had that that battle between father and son. Right. You Going know? against your, your de- not destiny, but a legacy. Going your, against your legacy. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are thinking that since, of course, Marvel doesn't have the rights to Fu Manchu anymore, that they're going to make the Mandarin Shang-Chi's father. And so that's, it's going to be mm-hmm. that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the Mandarin's nothing to mess with. You know, the Ten Rings, of course, is the name of this terrorist organization, but the Mandarin is remembered in the comics specifically that he wears ten power rings, and each one has a special ability, like a heat beam or a freeze beam, and they're, they're alien. Is there one ring to rule them all? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> yes. And very often what he'll do is he'll sometimes, you know, with, you know, one of his trusted assassins, he'll give them one of the rings to use on a job. Mm. But that's where the term Ten Rings comes from. And 
in the first Iron Man, when, they, when you have when he's captured by that terrorist organization and they call themselves Ten Rings, everybody got excited because they knew that was a reference to the Mandarin. And then, of course, you get the Mandarin, kinda, <laughs> and people were really heated about it. But well, come now, on, it's been what fifteen years later. He, you know, just patient. You there need you to go. Be patient. Like I said, Marvel listens to their fans, and <laughs> they, they will roll back stuff when they uh, they feel like they they've made a mistake. And we are going to get a real Mandarin, and I cannot wait. Going back to TV, spring 2021, WandaVision. <laughs> WandaVision. <laughs> I love that name. <laughs> I'm such a fan of that. <laughs> now, what's what's really, really interesting is they're, they're bringing in a new actress, Tayona Paris, I think is her name, as Monica Rambeau, which we remember as, as the girl in Captain Marvel. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, of course, years have passed mm-hmm. since, you know, was since... Ninety six. So, yeah. Was it yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, she's now grown up. Now, those of us in the comics remembers that uh, Monica Rambeau, she gained powers and became... Uh, they called her Miss Marvel for a while, but then they mm-hmm. started referring to her as Photon. She has the ability to control any form of energy and to turn her body into any form of energy. And... In the comics, she's had she's had dealings in the past with you know both the Vision and Scarlet Witch. So bringing her in, we may we may get Photon. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But what's also interesting is WandaVision is going to develop a storyline that's going to pay off in the next Doctor Strange movie, uh-huh, which of course May seventh, twenty twenty one, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Madness. <laughs> Which is going to have the Scarlet Witch in it. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about this is that there's talk that they're they're going to retcon the Scarlet Witch's powers for this movie. The fact they're bringing, bringing her into Doctor Strange, that they're going to make her powers a little bit more like the power she has in the comics, which is, one, she's a mutant. Mm-hmm. And they're going to... They're starting to say mutant now, so... Mm-hmm. She's Eric Lesher's daughter, so... Right. Yeah. In the comics. So... What they're uh, saying is that a, a lot of her powers come from chaos magic and that they're going to make her powers more magic based and, and the explanation of her powers more magic based and allow her to perform magic, actual magic, mm. and that they're they're going to ramp her up in, in, in that aspect. They're kind of going the opposite as they did with the Juggernaut. Because where the Juggernaut's powers were actually magic, and they made him a mutant for the movies. Uh, now yeah. they're taking, they're going backwards. Where Wanda was a mutant, now they're making her magic. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the comics, I mean, she had her mutant abilities were based off of off of chaos magic. Her mutant abilities gave her the ability to perform chaos magic and to control chaos magic. Which, as you can tell by the name, chaos magic, that's not easy to do. But Again, you know, one of the most powerful mutants in the uh, in comics. She's going to be, ta- I guess, taking taking on that role in the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. And seeing how they retcon her and bring her in, it just kind of shows how. Again, going back to the cachet that Marvel has developed, you know, there was a point at the beginning where they they didn't really want to talk about magic. I mean, the closest they got to it was with Thor. You know, they talk about magic there. It's like you know. They said, you know, it's science to us. Mm. You know, it's just, it's, it, you know, go going back to, you know, any advanced technology would appear as magic. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how they explained it. And they, well, with... Uh, your C. Clark originally say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly so. 
And then, of course, with Wanda, they just said, you know, this was power from, you know, from one of the Infinity Stones. But, of course, then you get into Doctor Strange, they start experimenting with the magic, and they're like, okay, people are are with it. So they're not as, let's say, gun-shy as it to, to actually say magic. And mm-hmm. so that gives the Scarlet Witch that ability to be a... a, a to be a master of chaos magic. And it'll be interesting to see how that, how they lead into that in, in WandaVision and then, you know, bring it to full fruition in the new Doctor Strange movie. And so going back to TV, we got to talk about Loki, spring of 2021. <laughs> Loki. So, so we're, we're going to get a Loki TV show. And of course, people were wondering, you know, of course, at the uh, Infinity War, how, how that was going to happen because he had died. But of course, you know, in Did Endgame- he? Yeah, well, of course, in Endgame, he gets a hold of the, of the Tesseract and disappears, mm-hmm. an earlier version of him. And so all that character development that he he had from that point on to where when he died, of course, all that's gone now. But you you have the God of Mischief with the ability to go anywhere and anyone that he wants. And hilarity will ensue. I yes. have no question. So, And of course, you know, we have What If and in the summer of 2021, their animated stuff and... Uh, they didn't really go into a whole lot of details more uh, than what we already knew, but I'm still excited to see what goes on there. And then they announced another TV show for the fall of 2021, Hawkeye. Yeah. Which, of course, Jer- Jeremy Renner forever was saying, you know, at the beginning, he wanted to do a TV show because he really wanted to develop this character. Now, mm-hmm. what excited a lot of people when they saw the logo of Hawkeye is it looked very familiar to them, especially if you read the comics. Because there's recently been a Hawkeye comic, and the logo for the Hawkeye comic is the exact same one as uh-huh. the one for the TV show. Uh-huh. So people are really excited it because they're fans of that particular comic book. Uh, the comic book written by Matt Fraction and David Aja, and it deals a lot with Hawkeye training Kate Bishop to be the new Hawkeye, and so they think that that's going to be a huge part of it, and they believe that you know. That scene at the beginning of Endgame where, you know, you, ha- you see the young woman with the ankle bracelet shooting the arrow, that that was Kate Bishop mm-hmm. and he was training her. And so we'll have that mentor, mentee thing going on. And of course, Kate Bishop does become a new Hawkeye and she joins the Young Avengers and all of that. So getting to see that character develop, plus uh, the writing for that comic was just amazing. There was such great storytelling uh, in that comic. And so... The thought of getting to see that on the big screen is going to be fantastic. And then, of course, we have to talk about the last movie, November 5th, 2021, <laughs> Thor, Love uh, and Thunder. thunder. And the, that talk about logos. That logo is like Thundercats and everything yes. you want from the 80s. It's Yes, gorgeous. the whole metal at the top, you know, the uh, mm-hmm. solar at the top, metal at the bottom. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's they're definitely doubling down on on the stuff that we enjoyed in the last Thor movie. And, of course, we get Taika Waititi again directing. And, um, and of course, he, he did, in fact, post uh, a, uh, a picture of the logo with him scribbling underneath of it. And we didn't forget about the Grandmaster. <laughs> well, and this is I didn't know. Remember, we talked about a lot of the little short movies that they do. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there was those movies with... All the questions about why Thor didn't show up. He wasn't involved yes. in the last Avengers mm-hmm. movie. And you had Thor living with a roommate right. and all those mm-hmm. videos. Well, they've done new ones. 
with our, our I can't, I'm trying to remember what the name of the roommate is, but he has a new roommate. Something like Doug. Something Doug, like yeah, that. Doug, yeah. I think. And uh, his new roommate's the Grandmaster, and they brought him in, and they're, <laughs> and they're rooming together. <laughs> so they're doubling down on that. So I get we will get, uh, it looks like we're going to get more Grandmaster, but mm-hmm. it also looks like Valkyrie, uh, who is now the king of Asgard, we didn't say queen, mm-hmm. the king of Asgard, and said that she will be looking for her queen. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, they've... There have been questions about Valkyrie's sexuality, and I, it looks like we're going to get answers mm-hmm. for them, which they're saying that she's going to be the first, you know, character L- LGBTQT plus mm-hmm. to to come out, you know, as a character. Although, I, honestly, there's I, I have some questions about Captain Marvel because I kind of had a feeling between, you know, with Carol Danvers that there might have been a relationship there. I don't know if they're going to develop that or not, but. I mean, it will definitely uh, play a part with Valkyrie in this movie. And the big announcement yep. that shocked everybody was when Natalie Portman walked out. Yep. Wasn't what you thought. It wasn't what you thought. Well, that was that was the shock of it. Because I kept thinking, you know, what about Asgardians of the Galaxy? Thor's out with the Guardians of the Galaxy. What, right. How's he going to have this movie? What? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, that well, the thing about it is, of course, he is... Uh, my understanding is he is going to be in the movie, and it's going to come out before Guardian. Obviously, it's going to come out before Guardians Three. Mm-hmm. I have to say, and I can't even say why it was this way, but I was really disappointed on a bunch of things that Marvel did, and one, you know, one of them was the fact that Vision picked up the hammer. Mm-hmm. They've been teasing it up, but I, when he picked up the hammer, it bothered me, and when Natalie Portman left, uh. And wasn't, you know, had kind of left Marvel and they had cut ties and all mm-hmm. that. That bothered me because, and I don't know why in particular I was so invested in this, but I really wanted to see the mighty Thor. Jane Foster as Thor. I wanted her to be the one to pick up the hammer. And I wanted her to be the one to pick up the hammer for uh, uh, for Endgame. But, you know, of course she was gone. And, I mean, we did get that moment with Captain America and I'm I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But, um but even for that is why I wouldn't have had – I wouldn't have had uh, Vision pick up the hammer for that either. Mm-hmm. You know, if Captain America would have been the first person to pick up that hammer, it would have been, to me, more impactful as a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I, but uh, I really, really wanted Jane Foster to pick up that hammer. I really wanted it. I wanted to see – I wanted to see the mighty Thor. And we're going to we're going to get a chance to see that now. And so it's like Santa got my letter. (laughs) That whole storyline, although, like I said, some people are saying, well, you know, this is just a gender swap Thor. But I mean, the storyline that Jane Foster had in the comics was amazing. And, you know, that character just recently died in uh, in a miniseries saving Asgard. Mm -hmm. But um Getting a chance to see this, I like I said, Santa got my letter. I was mm-hmm. absolutely excited about that. But they weren't done because, of course, this is Marvel, and you've always got to throw something into the credits. So, they, of course, they gave out a bunch of baseball caps that had this gorgeous logo for uh, Black Widow, the Black Widow movie. And then they announced uh, Marshala Ali to come out. Uh-huh. And he came out and he said, oh, you brought a hat too. And he did. He put it on and it said Blade. <laughs> yes. And everybody went crazy. So it's mm-hmm. like they've already, you know, 
The, and what could they possibly have left is, is yeah. the next thing. What could so, they possibly have now, left? Now, of course, with it, there were a couple things about that that, you know, uh, made the internet explode. The first one was, and I, I've, I've seen some, some news sources bring this up also, but they said that, of course, I remember him from the first season of Luke Cage as, uh, as Cottonmouth. And he was, well, the guy's won an Oscar, okay? So, uh, of course, he was incredible. He played uh, played an amazing baddie who died way too early in that uh, season, but he was amazing. And some people were saying, well, if he's going to be Blade in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, does that mean that everything that happened on Netflix is no longer canon? And I'm, I'll say this, as a fan of Doctor Who, this doesn't bother me. Because we're oh, yeah. those of us who've watched Doctor Who, we're used to yeah. actors uh, playing one role and then coming back and playing a bigger role. Mm-hmm. You know, like being a bit part, then being a companion, yeah, being a small part, and then being the Doctor. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I mean the Sixth Doctor, the actor who played the Sixth Doctor, Colin Baker, held a gun and threatened the Fifth Doctor, <laughs> Peter Davison, <laughs> and then you know. But that happens all the time in, in Doctor Freeman Who. Adjman, uh and Karen Gilliam were both on uh, Doctor Who before they became companions. Right. So, uh, And the first Doctor's companion, one of her uh, companions, she comes back for the fourth Doctor mm-hmm. and, and plays a villain. Mm-hmm. So, and that happened. And, of course, the, the most obvious is, and the most, uh, is, of course, Peter Capaldi. Mm-hmm. Who you know was in a tenth Doctor, you know the fires of Pompeii, which also they had Karen Gilliam in it as a mm-hmm. as a seer. Right, and of course he comes back as a Doctor, and they actually refer to the, the fact that he they look alike, <laughs> and they make it a plot line in in, in mm-hmm. one of the stories. Fine. You know, the Doctor Who fans were used to that, mm-hmm. so uh, I don't really feel that just because Ali is going to be playing Blade that that automatically means that everything that happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Or in on Netflix, that all of that has become non-canon now. But I mean, obviously, we're not going to see any of those characters until you know another year, year and a half, I think, until those contracts run out. And we talked about this before when when the Netflix shows shut down. I mean, we definitely want to see them again because there was a lot of great stuff there. And now that Marvel isn't afraid to go R, because again, Black Widow and Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. It's supposed to be a horror film. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're they're going to be willing to to go there. So those shows will definitely fit in as well. And I'd love to see them revive them on, on uh, Disney Plus when they get the chance to do so, certainly, because uh, there's a lot of story left to tell there for certainly. That's what they had to say about, um, about Phase 4. They didn't say a whole lot about Phase 5, but I have a feeling, and of course, we talked about this last week about D23. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get some major Phase 5 news in D23. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what what do they have left? <laughs> yeah. Besides the fact that, I mean, they, they might be able to give more details about Phase 4, but I think that this was the setup to let you know, hey, some great stuff is right around the corner. But, I mean, you think about it, 10 different things we're going to get in a, in this in course two of two years. years yeah. in, in two years. And, wow, I mean, it's a, that's a full plate. Uh, you know, Phase 4 is going to go through, I mean, it used to be like three or four years it would take to get through a phase. And now, you know, you can with, you know, with Disney Plus and movies now, they're able to cram in a lot more stuff. And so from what I understand, the rumor is Kevin Feige's got phase five down already. 
that we're going to see Blade in Phase 5, that we're going to see Black Panther 2 in Phase 5, mm-hmm. that we might see Fantastic Four in Phase 5. X-Men? Uh, some, possibly. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, it's funny because, you know, with Phase 4, there, there are a lot of people making comments about what we didn't see there. You know, you know we're not getting an Avengers movie at all, that we're not getting any Deadpool and things like that. And it's like, well, you know... They're setting up for a lot of different things. I mean, especially with the Fox properties, they, you know, they're they're trying to align it well. They're not just going to shove it out there mm-hmm. because let's be honest, if Fox made a mistake at all with any of the Marvel properties is is when they shoved it, that stuff out there and didn't develop it. And I don't think Marvel's going to make that mistake. Slow and Steady has won the race for them and now they are a powerhouse. Of of a studio now with with an amazing amount of properties that I mean think about it, you know when they first bought the Marvel properties back and when Disney bought Marvel Studios, three billion dollars and they were like, man Disney just wasted a whole bunch of money. <laughs> they have made their money back so many times because of this. It's 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 crazy, but. I mean, it's to a point now where I, I, I worry a little bit that the federal government might might step in eventually and break them up as seeing them as this huge monopoly. Although there are a lot of other movie studios out there and a lot of other television studios out there. But man, the power that, that Disney wields right now in, in movies uh, cannot be denied for sure. And one month, we get D23... And it's like you said, what more can they what say? What more can they say? Well, Kevin Feige's got that knowing smile on his face, and I'm pretty sure he's got a lot more to say, and we will definitely talk about it uh, when we have uh, when we get the news and see it for ourselves. And so with that said, we come to the end of Episode 75 of the Geek Watch Podcast. Thank you for listening, and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch Podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the Geek Watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch Podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the Geek Watch Podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The Geek Watch Podcast is a Hanging J production.